Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm April Vokey, and you are listening to Anchored my chance to speak with some of the most influential people involved in the outdoors today. Join me as I travel to sit face-to-face with my guests in their own homes to learn more about their careers, opinions, history, relationships, and life both indoors and out. This episode is brought to you by Line & Sight. Line & Sight is an innovative community where anglers can sign up, post their own articles, follow other anglers, and earn points online. Devoted to the sport, Line and Sight promotes all methods of fishing year-round with videos, interviews, how-to guides, plus the latest and greatest in product reviews. You'll even find regular giveaways of high-end product as well as fresh weekly content about all things fishing. Check them out at www.lineandsight.com. The Seychelles is undeniably one of the most spectacular destinations on the planet. When you pair up its incredible fish species with one of the most beautiful and remote lodges in fly fishing, it's world class. This April, I met up with Devin Fundermarve from Alphonse Fishing Company. With nine years managerial experience at Alphonse, he has played an important role in the atoll's development. Devin heads up 26 professional guides, captains, and deckhands, and runs a fleet of 48 vessels designed to work in the most logistically challenging environments. He was the perfect person to speak with about the operation. So I was born in a little mining town, a coal mining town, Whitbank. It's southeast of Johannesburg in South Africa. Um, It's got very little to do with fishing, a lot to do with coal mining. But obviously it's got a couple of streams and rivers and dams around it, so... That's home. It's still home at the moment. Uh, we're looking at possibly moving to other areas in the country, but uh, at, uh, I've grown up there. I've been there for for 32 years now, so that's home. Is that how old you are? Yeah, I'm are 32, you 32. 32. 1985. 
God, you've come a long way, Devon. <laughs> now, tell me about your name, because I've always called you Devon. Is it Devon? It's actually pronounced Devon. Devon. Yeah, Devon. So, um, the way I understand it, I haven't really got into the details of it. I'm not too phased, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I always tell the girls they can call me divine, and, yeah. and actually, what it does mean in in I think in German it means a comfortable couch. Oh. So, where's the significance? I don't know. That's actually really funny. Is it Dutch at all? Um, yeah, it's Dutch. It is yeah. okay. Okay, got yeah. it. It's making That's sense. That's where it's from. Okay, now I should I suppose I should explain to the listener how we met and just kind of give a, a better overview of this. Yeah. Right now, we are sitting in Seychelles. We're on Alphonse. Now, what is it? An atoll, right? Yeah, it's an atoll. It's an old volcano. Um, it's got a big lagoon in the middle. It's got uh, dried out coral reefs, and it's just home to an incredible diversity of marine wildlife. So, it's in the middle of the Indian Ocean. So, you can just imagine the entire big deep ocean, and there's a little island in the middle of it that, yeah. that makes it quite attractive. I first met you in this exact spot, how many years ago was uh, that? It must be eight or nine years ago, maybe eight years ago, I think. I just started getting a bit of a stubble, so that was perfect. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, it's just it's just gone so quickly. It, it doesn't even feel like that long ago. Though. I know, that's what's yeah. scary about it. I didn't yeah. have gray hair back then. <laughs> okay, now when we were here, I remember you were head guide. And you had things really under control. Yeah. And then I felt like I went away for a bit and I did my, my thing. And obviously you were still here. Yeah. And when I ran into you again at ICAST, was it last year or the year before? Yeah. Probably two years ago. Two before. years ago, yeah. yeah. And you said... You need to come back. And I'm looking going, are you still head? Wait a second. Why are you in Orlando? Wait, what's, <laughs> what's your involvement happening? with the company? So yeah. what's happened in the last eight years? Can you kind of walk me through a timeline so from the we've, beginning? We've obviously had a, we arrived here as uh, four South African guides and we just kicked it off. Uh, lucky enough to get the opportunity and thought we'll be fishing every day. And <laughs> didn't really understand the saltwater guiding side of it too much and Ended up uh, running through the logistics of the company and, and getting to understand it a little bit and, and how to, to work with people that share the same passion and share this industry, but doing it with them in a confined space. We're on a little island. We're trapped. You can't walk away from things. <laughs> no. You're sometimes living on a boat, sharing crew quarters, and you're going to have to have the right people to work with. And that's been our saving grace is the people that, that we work with, the people that end up not just falling under your uh, under your command because we don't run it like that we're all the same we're all doing the the same thing and we all share that same passion but um so i took over the head guide position and uh, took that through for about eight years and then uh, met up with keith and and the rest of the team and decided to expand a little bit and and use whatever we've learned throughout the time on the water and off, off the water focused a lot of the conservation of the of the properties and also making sure that it's there for not just the people of the Seychelles but for our future generations and just doing the right thing by protecting it, practicing strict catch and release and and we've actually seen the value of our fishery increase with the amount of fish we catch and release doing sixteen, seventeen thousand fish a season. 
and it's just growing every year. So eight years ago, we would do 13,000 fish. We're doing about 17,000 fish now. Whoa! So it, it's, it's a, and in this world, this day and age, it's, things go backwards. And, and we, we're quite proud of the fact that we've put in all our efforts to conserve it and get it there. So the, the head guide position was just because we had to have one. It, the whole team did it, did their thing. We, obviously when, when things went wrong, I would, I would handle it, but the, the team just carried us through the whole thing and everyone climbed the ladder equally. So at one stage we realized that this place has got a little bit more to offer than just the best fly fishing in the, in the Seychelles. So we reopened the dive center and we reopened the leisure side of it and we made sure that we could put a couple of bums in beds and just tick over so that we can, we can grow and expand and make sure that we look after this properly. And, and it's, it's taken, it's taken a good four years for us to get there now. And I feel that we are. The fishery is still as healthy as it's ever been, if not better. The guides are uh, way more trained up and, experience they stay with us for longer they they come from other destinations that's that's had some form of a impact in saltwater fly fishing and we just take the best that we can get we don't take on any normal tom dick and harry we just we just take the best and um obviously we're looking at personalities and then yeah. and then <laughs> and then teach them how to fish that's basically it it shows i mean yeah. i've only fished so far three days and i've been nothing but <clears throat> impressed Technically, then the company went through a change of management. Yeah, and that would have been four years ago. Yeah, four years ago, Keith Rosinas and uh, Marie Collins they took over Alphonse Island. They started managing it uh, uh, 2013. Started managing it for a year remotely, getting involved a little bit. But our same team from Great Plains um, that originally uh, took it over, they started managing it, and um, we we kept our team and eventually at the end of that season we we went through a bit of a change and we made sure that we we bring in the the staff that we've had from Darosh Island and and other destinations to come in and and get this place going getting getting it to a level where we need it so obviously alarm bells went off when our old owners uh, gave us jobs to do like counting screws and counting washers and bolts and and I'm like <laughs> what's happening here? Why all of a sudden do we need to do this? You know, um, eventually put two and two together and here comes the Collinses and they, they buy the property, yeah. which is perfect. We've known about the Collinses. I've uh, known about Keith as well for many, many years, obviously reading about him in magazines and he's kind of idle and all of that. But he, he rocked up and spilled the beans that they, they're planning to take it over. And I was extremely excited, and so so was the the rest of the group. the 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 guides on the island, we got by with very little. We would have to, yeah, you would have to really look after your only little tin of soap to clean your boat for <laughs> years. You know, now we've got the best uh, biodegradable, environmentally friendly products to just clean boats. You know, um, <laughs> so it's it's uh, it was an awesome change because. We knew that they've invested a lot of money in the country. They're not going anywhere. This is not a money-making scheme. This is a passionate buy, and you could see it. The first time I met Murray Collins as well, we, we went bone fishing within the first 20 minutes of landing here with his own jet. You know, you, 
here's a here's a multi-billionaire with flip-flops and funny baggy shorts that loves fly fishing <laughs> and and he would open his fly box and it's full of rusty flies and i'm like come on dude you need to let me take you to the shop made a bit of money out of out of him then <laughs> so that was good but um and then we went fishing and um couple of months down the line the deal was signed and, and they took over so we decided to keep a core team on the island everyone had a choice uh, it was up to them to either move on or explore different venues or avenues in their lives but we basically still have we've got guys here that have been working for us for 16 years they've been on Alphonse for 16 years they've been part of the original build of the hotel Serge Sampson one of our guides he was employed to take coral, put it in a, in a crusher, and dispose of it on the beaches, building beaches around you. That's how Serge got to the island. He then worked on Tam Tam, which was a, a mothership, a blue water operation that operated off Alphonse using the lagoon as safe mooring and the runway for getting their guests to turn over. And uh, Serge became a blue water guide and then eventually became a flats guide after hours on the mooring around the flats, Tam Tam flats, catching bonefish and then eventually explored the rest of the atoll and realized that GTs are quite hungry and triggerfish <laughs> are stupid or clever, however you want to call them. And um, yeah, so we've had pioneer guides here that have, uh, Wayne Haslow, he's, he's figured it out. Uh, he figured out the whole milkfish code with Arno Matia and those guys have been on this island. They've They've all... And done their part in showing us the way on on how to how to proceed with it and to this day i will only fish for milkfish the way wayne showed us how i'll use the same leader out of respect for him i'll use his same fly even though things have changed and it's become a little bit easier and but i still get all my clients to to tie a triple bimini with a step down to a slim beauty and a beautiful little knot and barbless hooks and just making sure it's all done the right way and i think i think that's how it should be you know keep those guys involved as much as possible because they set it up for us murray and the rest of the crew realized that they've got a good bunch of guys here they're going to look after them and the the opportunities never really changed but it was just the comfort of knowing that what we've worked for is it's actually now coming coming out we can now invest in in what we can now make a decision as a young guy you you know you're living a dream by guiding in a destination like this you're catching incredible fish every day and and you always share the same experience with with a guest for example it doesn't matter what guest you have what fisherman you're guiding that day he might have a billion dollars he might have a billion in debt you don't know but once they hear we all share the same product. We all share the same reason, and we want that as bad as you do. You know, so realizing that you can, what we've worked for and what we've decided on as a career is now actually a reality. This is happening. It's not like maybe next season we close the doors. We never know. After a company's gone through two recessions, you it's a tough one. Yeah. You, you don't know. You know, you like man. Maybe I should start looking at normal jobs and it's impossible to think like that you i hate that thought um and then when the collinses came in and really put the hammer down and and invested the right way into the property we realized that 
this is our home now. We're not going anywhere. Who who are they? Are they American? Are they from the UK? Who are they? Seychellois? Who are they? So the the Collins family is a South African family. They're from Natal in the Durban area. They've been involved with De Roche Island for for a few years in Seychelles. Um, and then obviously the De Roche side of it was quite a leisure experience and great scuba diving and great blue water fishing. But the flats fishing wasn't really as active and good as what it would be at Alphonse. But they had other properties that they could go and fish on, Poiv and St. Joseph. So those areas were only really fished for by by the fly fishermen that went to De Roche. So um, with with them all being enthusiasts and they really love the game they they would come and visit Alphonse once or twice and and saw the potential in it as well and saw the gap in the market and took it but yeah it's a it's a conservation driven project it's a, every single thing that we implement every single option that we go through has got a a positive outcome either to the the people of the Seychelles or projects about just the conservation side of it is really what we what we after um obviously we need to make a bit of money to keep the place running and keep it in good nick and uh that's why that's why it is quite an exclusive destination and um i think it shows for itself we've got a we've got a 80% return rate on most clients so yeah a lot of people it. who are here this week have been here before absolutely let's paint a picture for everyone who's listening yeah okay uh, Seychelles is a country mm-hmm. off the coast of Africa. Yeah. And how many islands does the Seychelles consist of? So you've got two parts to it. You've got the inner islands and the outer islands. The inner islands are mostly granitic islands. So those are the, the typical big granite boulders with beautiful coconut trees and a private little beach with turquoise blue water just, just slushing away. Um, population in Seychelles at the moment is about 89,000 people. So That's it? Yeah, that's it. Total for all the islands? Yeah, so that's, that's Mai is the capital, and then they've got Pralin and Ladig, which is another two bigger islands just, just off Mai, and, and that's sort of the, the, main, the, the main population. But uh, the outer islands, um, moving further, further on the Amarantes group, going down towards Aldabra, Farqua, Astove, Cosmolido, Alphonse, the Alphonse group of, of islands. That's really as far as you can go by boat or by plane. And, and most of these islands are uninhabited, but uh, some of the bigger islands have got uh, either some form of IDC uh, presence, uh, the uh, IDC uh, Island Development Company. They They manage all these islands. They manage all the outer islands and they... They ensure that there's no drug trafficking going on. There's no. Uh, they just ensure the safety and the, the the protection of these atolls and islands. Okay, now Alphonse. Then you started earlier. You were saying that's a volcano that over time has sunk. Yeah. So if you look at a map, what you're looking at is basically like an eagle's view or a bird's eye view mm. of the volcanoes. Where it almost looks like a donut, right? Yeah, exactly. So the the core of the volcano is the lagoon. So that's where it all erupted. It erupted out of the lagoon and then formed the outer reef. So as it cooled down, it's the water cools down and then it slowly sinks in and the reef basically sinks down and the ocean covers it. So I think in the next 500 years, this will be underwater. Uh-huh. Um, you won't be able to, um, it will just continue sinking. Um, but it's a, it's, uh, 
millions of years of of it happening. So I think that's what makes it quite special is that you've got a you've got a three to four thousand foot drop off within sixty meters from the breaking waves. So that's why the reefs are so untouched. The, the fish are forced to spawn and breed on on these outer reefs and in the lagoons, and it's just a safe haven. It's just perfect breeding opportunities and no wild animal will have to move unless there's not enough breeding grounds or food so and it's all yeah that's why it's so abundant that's why it's it's just flourishing and and we've been fishing this area selectively and um, the right way for for over 16 years but uh, uh, really targeting them on fly for about 10 11 years and you you would go back to the same spot over and over and have the same experience. It just doesn't change. Is there any commercial fishing out here? Well, there's uh, the commercial fishing in the Seychelles is quite big. The tuna trade is one of the biggest incomes to the country. So the Seychelles government opened up a, a couple of extra fish processing factories. It's an incredible income to the country. Um, and that's mostly tuna based. So they, they do the tuna, tuna trade is really big. The commercial fishing around these islands is more a sustainable fishing method. So these guys would, would catch for the local market. Um, prices are extremely high in the market as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, the areas around Mahe and the, the nearby islands, you can definitely see it as a negative impact there. But these islands closer towards, the Aldebra group, the Alphonse group, that that's untouched. It's it's got a um, it's so far to to really get here that uh, doesn't make financially sense for for the small operations to get here. And to be honest, the the type of fish that live on these atolls would, wouldn't really be what what everyone's after. The, the, there's much more money in yellowfin tuna and and the tuna industry than. Than a boat coming down with with a hundred or two hundred kgs of bottom fish, you know. So yeah. um, there's still active fishing with long lines in in the Seychelles, but there's a lot of there's a lot of moves towards it now that I'm sure within the next couple of years we'll have a bit of better control over it. But we also need to understand that it's this is the way of their life. This mm-hmm. is the way these guys have grown up, and it, it's just a matter of creating awareness that there are other ways to to make money. We don't have to make money like this. There, there's so many other options that we can get everyone involved with to get by, you know, the right way. So the the fishing industry in Seychelles is obviously extremely attractive and it's grown significantly with foreign influences into the country as well. Guys are coming here from all over the world with the biggest sport fishes that you can imagine and they've got massive marlin tournaments and uh, bullfish tournaments and look like any fishery that gets overfished the florida keys anywhere in the world there's a negative impact on it um, and i strongly feel that it's our job and it's our responsibility to educate and 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 find different alternatives and solutions to to generate income uh, without without killing them um, uh, the value of a fish that you Recapture is great. Yeah, that's, no that's question. A good one, yeah. Well, in past, what was the biggest environmental concern out here, so far away from commercial anglers? So, um, we, Alphonse is we situated about seven degrees south of the equator. So, um, the cyclone 
band usually gets quite active from about nine degrees south. So we're a little bit higher up, which which keeps us safe. Um, I would hate to to think that uh, anything would happen here, but to some of our other islands like Astove and Cosmolido, those those areas are uh, they they're known to to get quite a big cyclone hit every now and again. And recently we've had Cyclone Fentala destroy Farquhar Island completely. 350 kilometers an hour of wind just absolutely destroyed the entire island. And it, it was a, it was an island, uh, 10 times the amount of trees that we've got on Alphonse, massive casarinas, tons of coconuts just snapped in off, buildings destroyed, generators being flown around, tractors uplifted, just a, a nasty, nasty cyclone. And, I think that would be our biggest concern. Obviously, global warming and water levels rising and water temperature rising, our reefs are being bleached. It's, it is a, it's, it's a reality. So we've got a conservation society on the island that would uh, do a lot of the temperature probes around the reefs and do a lot of the research and, and, and managing that and coming up with ideas on how, how we as, as humans can, can do what we're supposed to do. And, Obviously, it's a big battle, but I think with the continued support from various various individuals and NGOs, it, it actually it's doable. And I'm sure whether we stop it or we at least redirect it would be the aim of the game at the end of the day. Yeah, I think you guys have more of an impact than you realize, too. You don't know this, yeah. but when I left when I was here the first time, you guys are the ones who actually kick-started my conservation spin. Oh, really? Yeah, so I'd That's always awesome. been conservation-minded, but you know how for a long time you guys had those pink bottles? Or you guys yeah. still have all the... Yeah. You've upgraded to Yeti bottles Yeti, now, yeah. but all there's no water bottles here. Yeah. No water bottles. And so that obviously got my brain ticking. I yeah. never touched a water bottle Since. willingly or... or yeah. I mean, sometimes you're absolutely you desperate, right? Yeah. Although I usually... There are yeah. times I'll go to the point of dehydration because <laughs> yeah. I'm so stubborn. Look, after all the, the data capturing and the research we've done since you've last been here and technology has helped us quite a bit, we've, we've got a presentation here that gives you goosebumps. We get people that stand up and donate $20,000 just like See? that. doesn't matter. It, it becomes, it's not, a, it's not so much a personal thing anymore. If there's a big corporate guy that really likes it, he just smashes money down and we can do whatever we want with it the right way. So we've got an Alphonse Foundation, and the foundation looks after all the conservation work around the islands. And what we want to do is create a guinea pig, have Alphonse as a sample of what an outer island should be like, how well it can be managed, and how well we can protect it with the help of the government, with the help of, of everyone involved, we can, we can make this happen. And if it works, creating these, these areas of protection, if we bounce that over to all the rest of the outer islands, it'll last for, for many, many years. Talk to me about the species of fish you have here on Alphonse. So we always kick it off with a with a bonefish. The bonefish is the bread and butter. That's why big we all eat. Big bonefish. None of these two, I mean, there's of course there's two yeah. pounders, but there are some huge Some big ones. Here. Last week we caught a 9.6 pounder, which is 74 <laughs> centimeters. That's a, that's a really big bonefish. Um, that's what we like. You get some gnarly big ones here. You get a lot of small fish as well, and... If you're not picky, you can catch 50 bones a day, no problem. And it, it's, that's what attracts people here. That's what, where this started. We then figured out how to catch milkfish, how to catch triggerfish, 
three different species of triggerfish. Can you explain why milkfish are so frustrating? Milkfish is like a tarpon that he, and he doesn't hunt. So they, <laughs> they just don't eat baitfish. They just don't react to a fly, nothing. So you need to know exactly eat. where your fly is. They eat algae. Yes. You, 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 <laughs> you, you, they filter feeders. They've got a, a fused gill. They don't even have two gill plates. It's It's a phenomenal fish. It's got a... Uh, out of proportion tail it's massive and that's why they're so strong and they they kick your butt so if you milk they fishing, get huge here like what's a what's a really big one a here? really big one's 50 pounds it's i mean yeah. the one i landed when i was here last was like 25 pounds yeah. and my arm was out of commission yeah, for like two days absolutely no they 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 break your heart though it's it's quite a um, a special fish for us because this is where milk fishing started in the world of saltwater fly fishing. This is where it started. There's other destinations that, that's got it, Western Australia, some certain other spots, uh, actually all over the world. If you know where to find them, they're there. But it's, it's become a actively target species on, on our flats. And if the milkfish are out, you put your rods down and you only go for them. You, uh, that takes priority because mm-hmm. they, they come and go so quickly. Like even these, past couple of days we've been seeing incredible signs and then the next morning they're just gone so you have to you have to knock them down when you can but uh milk fishing i think some of our record stats would be 11 fish in a day between two anglers on a boat um yeah 26 to 30 fish a week so that that's quite nice um we've had a couple of stints uh, a few seasons ago with uh, 72 fish in a month so it's phenomenal fishing and it it's so we know so little about them that we can't determine when they'll be here. And but it's mostly a weather predictions, weather conditions, and if there's chlorophyll or if there's plankton, these fish will come up and feed. And if you if you're lucky and you bump into them, we are confident enough to target a single fish and catch it. So there's there's no other way around it. If you find the mother load and they're milkshaking and they're going crazy, then then you know it's it's game time. So And you have some people who come here and just focus on milks on the flats, is that right? Absolutely. We've had quite a few few guys that have that have come here just to catch milkfish on the flats or just to target milkfish. Yeah. And they get busy the whole day, every day and <laughs> They get frustrated, they break rods, they you know, they lose interest and then bam, get him and then it's, <laughs> it's then it's done. Back to square one. Yeah. So look, the fishing is incredible for them. You can catch them on the flats, you can catch them offshore. There's so many various scenarios, but uh definitely personal best fishing for me would be kneeling down in shallow water and, and feeding a a tailing milkfish. That, that's oh, quite something, yeah. Setting the bar. Yeah. Okay, so milks triggers <clears throat> Indo-Pacific permit, beautiful Indo-Pacific permit. They're like bars of gold. Giant trevally, enormous. I mean, I had a giant trevally today swipe at my popper. It yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, some mean. of these, they're like the size of these couches. It's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Um, there are sailfish. There are tech, there's marlin out here. Yeah. What else is here? Well, the the dog tooth tuna fishery is incredible. So that's a that's a, a local fish that lives on the reefs. They get up to 150 pounds easily, and they destroy you. Um, they, they will cost you a couple of fly lines, and yeah, we've got uh, we've got the wahoo, the blue water fishing wahoo on fly, sailfish on fly, yellowfin tuna on fly. There, there's a whole variety of bullfish. We've been catching swordfish at night. We've we've you have 
Yeah, we have, but Ooh. but not on fly. But okay. we we've been <laughs> chipping away at them. Yeah, and uh, we've got a liverboard operation now, Armani, that that's been chipping away at it quite nicely. So. I'm sure we will we'll get some results within the next couple of, couple of years and, and be able to actively do it. Permit and the GTs and the triggerfish, the bonefish, um, there's an incredible variety of reef species as well that, that people like to target, like blue spangled emperors. It's sort of the, the save the day fish when all goes bad. You go to one of the tittlegrass flats and catch a four or five pound blue spangled emperor on a little borski slider, very aggressive take and, and that saves the day. You've got slime on the end and there's a high five and that's <laughs> yeah. all you need. <laughs> what other operations do you guys have? So we've got Alphonse is obviously the hub. This is where um, all the guides meet up in the beginning and we go through the setup of the operation and, and this is where it all happens. And then for about 15 weeks every season, we've got a nine-month season. So for 15 weeks, we break up and we do Cosmolido Atoll, which is very well known for a incredible amount of GT fishing. It's it's up to up to five hundred fish, seven hundred fish in a season. So that's that's phenomenal, averaging eighty eighty GTs a week for eight anglers. So it's really phenomenal. But it's got a fantastic bone fishery. It's got an incredible trigger fishery. I've seen bigger permit there. I've actually chased permit with a twelve weight, thinking that it's a big jeet, and then I saw him tail. And now I've got only a big popper to chuck at him. So <laughs> I still tried, but he's spooked. Yeah. So, no, it's a phenomenal fishery. And the, the beauty of the atoll itself is the, the bird life, the, the, just the, the, the little islands, the, the, the sheer volume of it. You, you would be on four skiffs and you won't see another boat the whole day. You in radio comms and you hear all the good stories throughout the day, but, it's you and your your guest, and you guys just go and explore. And the fishery looks after you. After you, you know you. It's it's so diverse. It's incredible. The Estove is a liverboard operation, and you stay on a boat called Lone Star. It's a lovely, lovely um, yacht. It's it's very comfortable. Um, we've got some of our best chefs on board and best guides on board, so you really get looked after. And it's a very popular destination. Um, you'll be lucky to get a spot. Uh, a year before you want it, you know. <laughs> yeah. So then we've got Astove Island, which is a um, that's a very special place to all of us. It's uh, got quite a unique system. Um, it's only got one little inlet in the lagoon, so the the tide will drop for eleven hours and it'll push for one. So once this pushing tide comes through the little mouth. It's just an enormous amount of fish that come through. The most permit I've ever seen in my life, you get shots at, at 100, 150 fish on the right tide. Whether they eat or not, it's it's up to you. But a phenomenal bone fishing, big bone fish, 10, 12-pound bone fish easily on a daily basis if you go and target them. Lots of small ones as well. Fantastic trigger fishing. But this is a this is a land-based operation. So we've got six six cottages and... It's only open to six anglers a week. It's just fantastic to to share that that fishery. You you walking on. It's it's a hostile environment. It's jagged coral. It's it's quite something. So it's not really for the faint-hearted. You you need to go there with an open mindset. That if the tide's high, you're going to go into the lagoon and go catch some of the best permits that you've ever seen. You're going to hammer the milks and hammer the bones. On the lower tides, the GTs are incredibly active and it, it's known to have big GTs and, and you bump into monsters. 
whether you get them because there's so many jagged cliffs and so on. They bust you up and break your fly lines and, yeah, they really teach you a good lesson. So Astove is uh, a land-based operation. Astove is also the heart of Cosmo. So we can't do anything without Astove. That's where we keep all our fuel, all our fresh supplies, all our um, the, the, the runway is on Astove. There's no runway or any form of uh, inhabitants on Cosmo. So people fly into Astove, and then it's a 34-kilometer trip with a with with a Lone Star with a big boat. So it takes you two hours and you're in this massive lagoon and it's yours for the week. So speaking of which, we've had to, on on Alphonse, Mm -hmm. every morning we get up, obviously we have breakfast, then Mm. we get on a mothership technically. And all of us head out, we go through, if you look at the map, you'll see there's like a, a a break? Is that just a yeah. like a reef break? Yeah, that's just a natural channel, yeah. the Alphonse Lagoon mouth. So we go through there, and then we head over some really blue water for mm. about 45 minutes. And that's really deep. That's 5,000 foot deep. Yeah, I know. My it's, brain's been ticking about it's it. It's Canal de Motte, the channel of death. Uh, okay, yeah. that sounds about right. <laughs> What's the next land? Because what, what people don't realize is after we get through the channel of death. Yeah. <laughs> sounds fantastic. I think I'm fishing it tomorrow. Am I fishing there tomorrow? Absolutely, okay, yes. And, uh, and then we get to this other island. Yeah. And that's where all the skiffs are. And then we all get into our skiffs. Yeah. So you've actually got Alphonse Island. And you've got a little tiny island called Bijoutier. That's just on your on the side of the, the main channel. Um, that's obviously Bijou is a jewel. Um, it's a signature island of the Seychelles, outer islands. And then you pass by that and it's a 11 nautical mile trip from Alphonse to St. Francois Lagoon. And you moor up there. Then you've got all the skiffs lined up and your guides jump off and take you fishing for the day. And usually if you're lucky and all goes well with the crossing and you survive the channel of death, you, <laughs> you get to fish for about eight and a half hours a day. And if you're not fussy, you can bend the rod for eight. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Coming up, Devin and I continue our conversation. With over 80 writers, Line and Sight is committed to recruiting new columnists each month, and their Facebook presence is growing just as rapidly. Be sure to check them out on social media or at www.lineandsight.com. The pirate situation that you guys had a while back. Can you just kind of elaborate on that? Because I know Charles and I wanted to take our honeymoon here, and he was yeah. like, "Oh, I'm not going around any pirates." <laughs> what is going on with the pirate situation? Look, the pirate situation has been completely resolved. There's absolutely no concern with regards to any of that. Um, the Seychelles had so much help from various uh, various countries that that came in and played a very important role in in stopping this and sorting it out. Six years ago, it was a concern, and you you made the right call at that stage. If if your husband felt like he doesn't want to go to pirates, I can't talk like that. But <laughs> no, the the piracy is not a concern whatsoever. We don't we don't worry about it. Um, we've got an incredible government that runs it and looks after it and patrols it, and have spent an incredible amount of money looking after it. So. Piracy shouldn't be a concern at all. First of all, you're on a land-based operation. You've got a runway an hour away from the nearest main proper mainland, the capital. We operated throughout the piracy season because we, we were able to do it because of a land-based structure. We didn't have a liverboard. All liverboard operations were cancelled, and that was our gap. So that we, had, makes sense. we had all these fishermen that 
that's been wanting to do these trips. They've been saving up forever and they couldn't go anywhere else but Alphonse. Right. And that's where we, we, we didn't debar by hooks on that catch. Got so it. Okay. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> now, if somebody wanted to book a trip to come here, what is the best website for them to go to? Well, the best, the best option is just to, to go directly onto our website. Um, and you'll, you'll log on to alphonsefishingcompany.com. Okay. I'll put um, the link in the yeah. website. And then, uh, yeah, you'll get all the details that you need there, all the pre-trip information, all the, all the frequently asked questions, all the nitty gritty stuff. The beauty about, uh, about, all these destinations is that we're fully equipped with all the fly fishing gear that you can dream of. If you if you battle to find stuff in your local shops because it's a specialized saltwater destination and they might not be catering for it, or don't worry about it. We've we've got it all here. We stock an incredible fishing shop. It's got everything that you need. And I always say to to people if they ask. Uh, what fly should I bring? And I say, just bring $150 and buy the right flies here. Yeah. And you'll go home with three or four extra flies. That's it. Right. <laughs> so um, that's the best way to do it. What are the top three questions people ask you when they want to book a trip? Mostly is what is the best time of the year? What um, is the best time of year? So we've got a nine-month period. We're operating from, from October all the way to the end of May. And honestly, throughout those nine months, you... You can choose any specific time and it's going to work for you. There's no pre-spawn behavior or funny natural phenomena or anything that takes place that makes you want to book this specific week. January, February is our rainy season, but a rainy season in the tropics is passing showers twice a day, right. which just cools it down. It's perfect and a very popular time of the year as well. So there's no, um, there's no, the only time you can't really fish this is from, from June to August because it's the southeast monsoon. And right. then you've got 35 knots of, of a southeasterly every day. What do you guys and, do with this place during that time? Well, we close down for, for two months a year. Um, and then we just do the renovations and the maintenance and um, get a bit of shutter, make sure we, we get ready for the next season and then jump back, back on it. So uh, we used to close down for four months a year. This season we might just do two because we've opened up a beautiful dive resort as well or a dive destination. We've got a paddy dive center and you can do, you can do from your bubble makers to advanced scuba diver here within a week, you know. So there, there's a different aspect to, to the Alphonse Island. You, you can do it all. Mm -hmm. You can do the diving. You can do the fishing. You can do all the stand up paddle boards. You can do nature walks. You've got dolphin safaris. You've got, Marine biologist teaching you about all the nitty gritty stuff on a reef flats expedition. You can drink a smoothie in the garden that produces a ton of vegetables a, a month. You can bicycle rides. You experience these see through kayaks and um, sunset cruises and flats lunch. And there's, there's some incredible stuff. Eh? There's a million things to do. Yeah. Second most commonly asked question. I think people ask, uh, how do you get here? And um, basically, hub would be Dubai, um, mostly fr fly from anywhere in the States or Canada, wherever it might be, fly to Dubai and then a four-hour flight from Dubai to Mai. So usually, um, if you plan your stuff well, I always suggest that you try and arrive a day before your departure to Alphonse so that you can climatize, you can allow for lost baggage and fixing up bits and pieces and also just get yourself a little bit over the jet lag, just get yourself ready because your time on the water is essential. 
And uh, yeah, so arrive a day before you should depart for Alphonse. Lovely hotels and little day rooms that we can we can assist with in Mahe. Um, set up a little itinerary that can help you explore a bit of the the, the local markets and, and get to see that as well. It's it's interesting. And then uh, a one hour flight from Alphonse uh, from Mahe to Alphonse on a Beechcraft 1900. We can take 16 passengers at a time, but we only do 12 fishermen uh, per week. So. That's that's the tricky part is to get a slot to come in. Another option would be directly from Paris to Mahe or directly from London to Mahe, which is which is a very comfortable trip, and that's proven to be quite quite popular with with a lot of the people. Yeah, I could see that. Mm. Last most common question. Look, safety on the island um, and family orientated situations. Um, the resort can can cater for uh, for any form of of little ones as well. So perfectly safe to travel with the, with the little kids. Um, we've got incredible activities for them. Um, whether it's building sandcastles or whether it's uh, yeah, just getting involved with a volleyball, with a pool volleyball, and uh, it's, we've got nannies that can look after you. We've we've got we've got the whole thing that you can you can arrange. So. Traveling with family and friends um, is quite easy, and that's what we've been chipping away at so well for the last four years is making it leisure-friendly, making it uh, to a point where the husband can go and catch fish and smell like fish, but the wife can stay on the island and just enjoy the the privacy of it because it's not a commercial operation where you feel like you're the tenth person in line looking for a cocktail. You'll be the only one on the beach getting a personal attendance to cocktails or whatever you need. So yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. I remember coming here the first time and being blown away. Yeah. And now the second time you guys have just, I mean, I'm speechless. And that concludes this episode of Anchored. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.